Hello, welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and coming to you right out of Stanford. We've got myself, Lauren, Paul, and Angelica. Thanks so much for joining us. And this is kind of our sequel of a multi-part series about what's wrong with those kids these days. <laughs> Not really. All of us have had a lot of experience working with young people, um, both Paul and Lauren work with youth group. Uh, Lauren has mentored a lot of young people through her work with Frisbee. Angelica lives with a lot of young children. <laughs> she is and, of, and helps with youth group. And helps with, helps with youth group. She's one of, uh, one of 10 children, one of 11 children. And, uh, and I've done youth ministry for the last 20 years. And so although none of us have biological children, we've worked a lot with young people. And we're gonna, just going to talk about kind of parenting because I realized uh, just from feedback that I've gotten, that a lot of our listeners are people that have kids. Like shout out to um, you know some of the great people that have you know families that, that tune in, and so we're not just reaching young adults, which is great. So we're going to give you some unsolicited advice on how to raise your kids, <laughs> basically. But no, actually, we were talking uh, over the, when we were kind of preparing for this episode about uh, Paul brought up a great point that. You know, working with so many kids, we've kind of seen some parenting styles that are very effective and some parenting styles that uh, cause kids to kind of go off the rails or just be, uh, you know, kind of a struggle. And so, Paul, why don't you expound on that? Like, what are some what's some of the differences you've seen in parenting styles that that have helped kids to flourish and thrive? Yeah, I, I don't know. And maybe Angelica would be good to maybe ask you this question. But I would say um, I would say the the children without access like ready access to technology uh, at a moment's notice all the time whether it's in school or at home i'd say those kids that don't have access are way more joyful hmm. they just have a greater ability to be creative be spontaneous and not be as concerned when there's nothing to do and That's they can and they can they they have the wherewithal to come up with things to do <laughs> to fill the time that's more probably more productive than playing a game on a iPad. Yeah. That's interesting. So And then, and that spirals into all different other parts of life as well. Mhm. Sure, sure. I don't know, what do you think, Lauren? You cuz you were you were talking also about something that you noticed that that parents sometimes don't do right. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times adults treat children as if they are adults and they're not. They're children. So their brains are not built the same way as an adult's brain yet, right? It is developing, which is it's going to continue to do as they grow. So you can't hold a kid to the same expectation that you would hold another adult, you know? And a kid is going to be silly. They are going to maybe be rough or rambunctious or not be able to pay attention. And you can sometimes hear, I can think actually of one time at Greenwich Point, this dad who had no patience for his small children. And it was so cringeworthy um, because he wanted them to just sit there, I think, quietly like he was with adult friends, but he had like four small children. Um, so yeah, I think um, adults forget that their kid has a kid brain and they need to be treated as a kid, you know, mm. not another adult, which I don't know if uh, many adults don't even know how to do that. Um, I did minor in human development and family resource science because it was a really easy minor to tag on in my last <laughs> semester. Let's but it was it. so fascinating, actually, to study, you know, human development, right? Stage by stage as we get older, this is what kids are capable of. This is when a kid can understand what sarcasm is, right? Like all these things develop. So I think adults could do a better job at that. Definitely, definitely. Right, but I think that sometimes it, 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 it's hard to do that. So I think it's up for discernment 
depending on like the person you have to you can't just like um say all kids are like that and i understand uh lauren what you're saying but i think maybe like on the older side so like middle school some middle schoolers um (laughs) and (laughs) some high schoolers uh they're they're babied and and i think that they can be talked to um as an adult and they would respond really well and and because they're babied they or they're they're spoken to as as a really young child they they feel like they haven't been heard or that they're not um their word doesn't mean as much um when really they just want to be listened to and respected as an adult um and i think that transition from child to a a older child (laughs) who can respond to you and have a a, a conversation like they're still learning and they're learning to have a conversation an adult conversation and um maybe it's a little bit difficult maybe they're not getting it all but they're learning um and I think that that's what they really that's the foundation like that relationship that they're going to have with that adult um so Lauren these kids that are talking to you and asking you these questions and sometimes you can talk to them and respond as you would to any child. But then there's that one kid or however many that you would respond to as an adult. And you know that you can talk to them like that because the Lord nudges you, let's say. Yeah. Um, and that's really beautiful. You're participating in, in, in molding that, that child. Um, and so, yeah, that's... Yeah, no, so, I, I think this is multifaceted. Like what I'm hinting at is when you see an adult get frustrated with a kid because they, I guess, can't get that the kid behaved in a way that was like a kid, right? And they respond like they're uh, acting, engaging with another adult. They're engaging with a kid. I think what you're hitting at is that we also have to like respect kids' intelligence, maturity, responsibility, also give them opportunities, right? Like you can't belittle them either or stifle them. And, And it all depends on the kid, right? And where each kid is at. So getting to know them too is very important. Yeah, I think I think a lot of at least I've noticed this. So I don't have any kids, right? But I've been very close with my niece, who uh, she's eleven now. But I've I've stayed close to her. Like I've intentionally stayed close to her, um, trying to see her as much as I can, which is harder and harder. But we do the best we can. Um, and uh, and and so it's fascinating. But but I have a decent memory, and so I remember pretty well. Like I remember third grade and on very well. I just remember a lot from those years, third grade through my education. So I remembered what, to go to Angelica's point, I remember what I could handle at that point and how much I could process and and take in and learn and how quickly that was. I remember that. And so whenever I spoke with my niece when she got about that age, third, fourth grade, I would start speaking with her as if she was an adult because I knew that was going to help her development even more. And I tend to use large words that adults don't necessarily understand, but she, but now she does, right? So that's good. Um, but at the end of the day, but we would still have fun. You know, we would still have the ability. To, I knew that she couldn't sit still. She's crazy. And like, she does Ninja Warrior stuff now, like competitively. So she's crazy. Cool. She's, she's, she's out of her mind with that kind of stuff. And I knew she loves to just run around and be rambunctious. So like, okay, well, I can do that too. Because I was 25 at the time or whatever, right? So it's, it's a balance. And I think you have to realize both of those things. That I think, I think, yeah, I think another thing is, is that time for kids is moves much slower so one year in a child development is is a lot versus a year for an like i can't i can't keep track of what things happen in 18 19 or 20 i just i have to like really decipher it to figure it out but those years will be very significant for a child who's 9 10 11 and 12 or whatever 
So, and I think parents don't necessarily, they, they may not fully understand that or comp- comprehend that, or maybe people that are one step removed from the parents don't understand that. Yeah. You know, I love St. John Bosco. He's one of my favorite saints, and he worked with youth his entire life. He had a great quote. He said, he said, get them to love you and they'll follow you anywhere. You know, and that's kind of always been my motto of youth ministry is that, you know, you have to win someone's heart. And that's, I think, true with parenting too, you know, because a lot of parents kind of assume that their kid is going to automatically love them. And they do, you know, on, on some level. But you also have to have like common ground with them, like to be able to talk to them, to know their hearts, you know, to know where they're at. Because every kid, as you say, like every kid is individual, every kid is different. And some kids respond differently to this thing or that thing, or, you know, their interests are different. And, mm. and so to really love them as a parent, you know, you're right. You have to kind of discern, okay, is this kid just like rambunctious? Cause that's like their personality and that's their energy and God made them that way. And so we can just direct them to use that energy for God's glory. Mm. Or are they really troublemaker that really needs kind of like to be called on to a higher kind of like, you can, you can be more mature than this. Right. You know, so that's, that's the discernment that comes about through knowing the kid, knowing them well. Right. And I think Father Joseph, to give him some props, is, has a phenomenal gift of relating to middle school and high school students better than any other priest I've ever seen. So I think, and, and they, people, I would say kids follow you anywhere. And you built that youth group here in Stanford. And well, I hope they know. follow me to Jesus. That's the biggest thing. And yeah, and I, I, I do believe, you know, in, in, I think most adults are actually really secretly afraid of kids oh yeah yeah you could smell it you can see it in their faces when they they see a group of children of course yeah they're, control. they're we, terrified we're all about control and then children are not they're not there yet yeah like when when i would run youth group and oftentimes not not you all since i did work with paul and lauren and angelica but a lot of times i'd be talking to the adults and be like hey go have a conversation with the teen and they're like what do i say <laughs> Like, I don't yeah. know, ask them how their day was. Like, yeah. I mean, like they just want to be talked to. Like, start with anything. I don't know if it's like our really bad experiences of high school just kind of like dragging us <laughs> on through through our adulthood or something. But I think you forget. You just or forget. maybe people just think, I don't know how to relate to them, but they're assuming too much there because, you know, I think in general, you can relate to anyone. I remember being a camp counselor and like a little four-year-old camper was like my best friend. <laughs> and I camp and I was like 16 or 18. And then it's, it goes the other way, right? Like you may be in your twenties, but you can relate to a 70 year old, Yeah, you know, like sure. we all can relate to mm. different people. Right. Mm. Well, when you look back at the mentors in your life, when you were a teenager, you know, were there adults that you just really kind of connected with other than your parents? No. Yeah. Well, I have no? one, <laughs> one basketball coach sticks out in mind, but he ended up leaving our team. He was supposed to turn the Greenwich High School girls basketball program around, but then he left when my senior year started. But when he was there for junior and my sophomore year, you know, I would go to his office, you know, in school and talk to him and I respected him and he had these, you know, discipline, attitude and commitment or what it takes to turn this program around. I like totally bought into everything that he was teaching. So that, that was Mm -hmm. one. And then, of course, my dad, too. Like, I, I know that my, um, like, well, I had to do a college essay, like, the person who's, like, impacted your life the most, most significant person. This I wrote about my dad. I don't know if that offended my mom, but <laughs> at that time, it was my dad, so. Yeah. Well, I can think back, my, my scout masters, when I was in Boy Scouts, uh, all of them were very good, but in particular, the one that was there for the bulk of my time was, uh, his name was Mr. Long. And just a man of great integrity and a man who um, 
he had this very patient way about it. You know, we were rambunctious 13, 14 year old boys, but, but he never grew angry. You know, and if we ever needed to be corrected, he'd always take us aside and just with like the softest voices and just the calmest demeanor, just be like, hey, look, you know, maybe you should make a different decision going here. Mm. But he was also a lot of fun. Um, I remember he let us ride in the back of his pickup truck, which I think was against the rules. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, like, the, like he was able to relate. And I remember just really like cherishing like just that relationship because he mentored me a lot. Do you have anybody, Angelica? Um, mm, I have snippets of people, I think, throughout my life, um, and just growing up. And then that painted a, a bigger picture um, to, like, what I want to be. Um, but I, I wouldn't point to a single person and say, this is the person that totally, like, was there and I looked to. Um, yeah. Okay. I would say I had my first real mentor in college. Okay. There was one of the professors slash my advisor who was really invested in every student. He was incredible. Mm. And and everyone had the same experience. I wasn't unique in yeah. that. So that's a gift in and of itself. But um, he was always there. And actually, I could call him today and he would pick up the phone and know who I was and we could have a long conversation. So, that's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome to have those people in your life. Yeah. So going back to the whole like raising kids thing, you know, I, it's interesting how raising kids changes the parents too have you noticed anything in your friends or i don't know if your cousins or you know um, siblings have started having kids have you noticed a change in them because of the kids that they've had i've noticed changes in my parents um from the way that they've raised me to all the way down to daniel who's three and how they're raising them um it's really beautiful how, how they develop, they've de- developed as parents and how um, they really refine their parenting skills. So you were, you were like the, the rough copy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's beautiful because it's not like they rejected me or anything. I'm angry that I didn't go to a nice Catholic school like my siblings do. But I probably wouldn't have been angry um, about it back when I was a child, when I didn't know first and second, my parents didn't know. But it's beautiful to see the effort that they're putting in. And, and I know that they put it in from the very beginning, from raising my brother to me to my next sister and then all the way down to the 11th child. Um, so, yeah, I've seen a lot of changes. And I've been I've, – so I've really seen a lot of changes. So, um, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful how the Lord works and, and refines them as parents, as, as my – Refines my mom as as a mother and my father as a father and restores restores their images of what that should be um, as they've gotten older. Um, well, I, I I'm the oldest as well, and I can tell you that they yeah the parenting style is very different with the youngest. Yeah, the youngest got the swimming pool and the dog and the vacations. And <laughs> I got none of those, mm. but that's okay. And, you know, I was the trial run. So, so what about you guys? Like when you see, is your, is your brother married? No, uh, no one really on my mom's side that's around my age is married. Well, one cousin is married as of this year, but no kids in the family. And then as far as like my ultimate Frisbee friend group, cause that was kind of my core here, um, since college, there's a bunch of people who are like about four to five years older than me. And they all just had started having kids within the last two to three years. 
like a bunch of people now all have a baby or a toddler. Um, and so they all waited a long time, right? Cause they're, they're probably mid thirties. Um, and, um, that's been a transition. And I thought people would, you know, not be coming to ultimate as much for some of them, they alternate between the husband and the wife or whatever, but in general, they all seem to still be coming and still be having, um, the same lifestyle. And then my friends, my age, like my friends from college, um, one friend has a daughter and, um, she seems so patient. Um, and she, she's just someone with such a great heart and, uh, she'll talk about her daughter and, um, her daughter seems to have like a big personality and like wants things the way she wants them. And I, I just think Jackie is like cool with it, easy, doesn't try to control. So that's kind of fun to hear about uh, when we talk. Um, but otherwise, no one else is married yet or has kids. So I'm hoping it's like about to start happening. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would say that what I've noticed is, is that it's very different from my parents. I don't know about my friends, let's say, but just just my parents. I would say when we were young, the, my parents were they were both my parents worked and so and my dad worked a lot more than my mom my mom worked nights because she would take care of us during the day so my mom just didn't sleep forever <laughs> um but but i would say that the parents now the 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 children are or maybe this is wrong so take it for a grain take it with a grain of salt are more of like the child's life is going to be planned around the parents schedule right so if the parents the parents come first in every circumstance you're saying that's now or that's... now this is now really yeah and and so i'm not actually surprised that they're still able to come maybe these aren't his parents so like i said take it with a grain of salt but i've noticed that it's it's a, it's a different mentality about the children the child is, is there at the is there it, it serves at the like the behest of the parent right it's like they're children when it's convenient to be children otherwise that's interesting because I've, I've observed the opposite phenomenon I've seen parents who who completely change their schedule based on their kids, and and even to the point that you know a lot of some a number of my parishioners have told me, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm not going to come to mass until my kids are older because they just you know they can't sit still, and I'm like that's you're changing your worship because mm, you're of your kids. Yeah. I mean, but even well, you know yeah, people I mean, who are secularization like, isn't yeah is, is everywhere, so it's not particularly that's part, that's yeah. part of it. I'm sure. Yeah, but. Uh, I don't know. It's only an hour, and crying babies are allowed to be there. Absolutely. We welcome them. <laughs> if your parish isn't crying, it's dying. That's, I think, another thing. I I think a lot of people have anxiety about that, about their kid maybe being too loud in a place where they shouldn't. You know, it could be in, in mass or in a line at the grocery store or, you know, on an airplane. But a kid is a kid, so getting over that anxiety, I think, is huge for parents. Yeah. It's okay if your kid cries in, in church, you yeah. know? Exactly. It may disrupt someone else's worship, but you know what? They'll get over it. They will get over it. Or they and, should, at and least. And teaching the kid about the importance of worship is paramount. Oh, and one, my friend Mary said something really insightful, actually. Her son is a year and a half, and she's like, yeah, I don't pull him out. I don't take him to the back of the church every time he cries, because then he's going to learn. If I cry, then I get to go and leave. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to train him in that behavior. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, my whole life, I've just seen kid cries. Parent takes him to the back of the church. You know, yeah, yeah. it's just like an automatic thing. I would say I've, I almost never get disrupted preaching if I hear a kid crying. Honestly, I don't even notice it. How about most, cell phones? Most of the time. Is that worse? Uh, yeah. We have one last Sunday during the Eucharistic prayer. That was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But. You're making me miss Father Al from St. John's because there would be like a sound from a kid and he would just call it out how much he loved it. 
Yes. <laughs> it was so sweet. It's beautiful. Oh, I loved Totally that. embarrassed the parent, I'm sure. Like, of oh. course. Yeah. Yeah, me and my, my parents um, gave up trying to control the volume level of my brother and I because we were we were both very loud children. So, well, I can I, they just gave yeah, up. I mean, they're just like this is the way it's going to be. Restaurants think, doesn't matter. People I feel like I got tables. scolded <laughs> all the time for moving too much in mass, you know? Can't you just sit still? But it's like, no, I couldn't sit still at that age, right. you know? I like had to move. For whatever reason, you know, because yeah, I was a kid. for sure. But the fact that you were there is, is critical. Yeah, we were always yeah. there every week. Wow. The one thing I've noticed within my own family uh, regarding, like, how having kids changes you is my sister, uh, my brother's been married for probably, right now, 2013, so about eight years, and my sister's been married for six years. My brother has chosen not to have kids, and uh, it's really, it's very unfortunate, and my parents are kind of heartbroken about it. My sister is pregnant with her third child and I can tell you that my sister um, when I talk to her I know I'm talking to a mature adult my brother is just basically a bachelor who has a wife Mm. Mm. and it's just it's just very interesting experience of kind of contrasting the two when we get together like there's there's a maturity that you develop that you don't develop until you have kids I think I think that makes a lot of sense and unfortunately it just seems like men keep delaying this you know like they don't want to commit they don't want to get married they don't want to have children that's going to disrupt their lives and it's what they are called to be you know well that brings us up to our next question which is you know in many ways one of the things the world says about having kids is that it crimps your freedom right because as a young adult you have the freedom to do whatever you want to go move wherever you want and you know, take a vacation at the drop of a hat. My brother decided to convert an old Volkswagen van and drive, drive across the country for six months. He quit his job. His wife just went. You know, you can't do that with a kid, right? So, I mean, first of all, from your experience with your friends who are married, do you see that like their, like their social life has changed and you don't see them anymore? Because that's a complaint I hear about a lot of, from a lot of people. The complaint is that they, the single people don't see their married friends as much? Yeah. Or with kids, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's natural. So is that a reason to say I'm not, you know, I want to delay having kids so I can continue to live this, this <laughs> no, social it, it, life? No, I think you get, I, I feel, I don't know, I'm a different person and I'm weird. But <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel shackled to the single life and it's not pleasant all the time. Hmm. Hmm. Do you think there's going to be a freedom in marriage? At least freedom well, from discernment. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. But that's what I feel right now. And it's it's a bit of a albatross right now. Hmm. Interesting. Angelica, you're looking pensive. Um I'm thinking about like what like freedom versus flexibility. So I think that those married couples or that don't want children they're after like max flexibility. So they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, versus the freedom um that they 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 they're saying that they want um because is it really freedom if you can do whatever you want at at any moment um i i just don't see that as freedom so yeah that's the difference between i guess between freedom and license you know freedom is is the ability to be excellent truly excellent as a human but i think people don't know that either they don't realize that they're they're they're, they're stuck in a place um, going in circles after what they think is freedom. Um, 
So I wonder what really gets them out of that. What um, I'd be interested to know what what moved them um, to start having children, and and if it were anything other than this fits my plan uh, for the time right now. Um, so, I think when you when you choose any life changing decision, you do have to give up something. Mm-hmm. To become a priest, you give up a lot. I mean, I've I've haven't seen my family in Thanksgiving in ten years. You know, because we, I mean, as a priest, you have Thanksgiving Mass and Mass that weekend. I never get a chance to travel down to Maryland and it's a sacrifice you make. Yeah, I think, I think as any parent, you have to make sacrifices. I I won't, I don't want to say too much, but one of my family members, let's say he married um, uh, a woman who was a little bit older than him and um, they had kind of a white picket fence life, right? They got married, they had a kid, got a dog, brand new house you know, in Connecticut and it was looked up from the outside, you know, looked like, you know, white picket fence life. And then eventually she decided that it's like, well, I don't identify anymore. I don't want to identify as like a mother living, you know, living in a house with a kid as a wife. Like, I just don't identify that as that anymore. I don't find fulfilling in that. Cause I, I, I have a feeling like her, her mid thirties kind of single female friends were all living it up as single people with money, you know, in their mid thirties. And I think she was, so, so they got divorced That's so sad. and that was really sad and really hard on the, the kid who's now almost four. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And that, that was really hard to see, um, that you would give that up because it's what so many women want. Yeah. But you know, you can never look at what you give up, but rather what you gain. Yeah, and that's what that's what I feel like she didn't understand because Nathan is I shouldn't have said that, but anyway, he's he's incredible. He's incredible. He's an incredible little kid, and I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to be on with him all the time. Yeah, you know, that's the truth. I mean, you know, that's that's what sometimes makes it difficult to discern because we always look at I'm giving up this and that and this and that, mm-hmm. but no, we're getting so much, right. gaining so much great stuff. I think that's exactly right. I, it actually shocks me, you know, the number of people I know or you hear it, you know, I, I don't want to have kids. I don't think I want to have kids. You know, this dual income, no kids situation sounds really nice as far as the lifestyle we're going to live and the vacations we get to have. And, and I'm always just like, what? You know, cause I guess for my whole life, I felt like I'm going to become a mother at some point, or at least, you know, I hope to, um, and kids are such a great gift. So I think it's sad. Um, but back to your, you know, question about do people change when they're married in my experience, I haven't seen a change. No. Um, you know, since graduating from college and coming back to this area, my friend group and my community became all these ultimate Frisbee players. Some people are single, some people are dating, some people were dating, living together, some people were married. And then, you know, maybe a few, well, some people are older. It's also a wide range of ages in that community. So yeah, some people were older with kids, but you know, we bonded because we share this activity that we love and we're all like obsessed with it so we can talk about it and stuff. <laughs> but then we also would do other things like board game nights or go out or celebrate a birthday or go away skiing, you know. So we bonded and it didn't matter kind of where anyone's status was in life. They were part of the group. So they bring their kids over? Um, well, there really were no kids. Like the older people wouldn't come, but for the longest time, nobody was having kids. A lot of them weren't even getting married, which I didn't get, but I guess that's just the secular culture. You live together for however long, you're essentially married. I don't know. I mean, I guess they don't see it that way, but eventually they decide to get married. Um, 
so that's why it doesn't make a difference. And I kind of actually wonder now that I'm more in this Stanford Catholic community, um, what's going to happen? Because it doesn't seem like there are as many married couples, right, that come to our Faith on Taps and our Young Adult Mass. Well, they it's graduate. usually they graduate. single people. Right, yeah. right. Oh, and I, you know, I can understand if you have children, then you can't come. But also, why not come? Like, they're fun things to do. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would say that the 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 of my friends who've had kids, there's quite a few. I would say that the the more going back to your point on maturity, I think the more mature ones that have like had their life together, so to speak, although that's a terrible way to say it cuz I don't think anyone really does. But they um they're the ones that have uh they're the ones who choose to have kids. Hmm. So that maturity might happen first maybe. Yeah. And then that makes them Yeah, that's decision. possible. Right. I don't know. So last question with the minute that we have left. You know, one, the other excuse that I often hear quite a bit is uh, for not having kids is, man, the world is such a messed up place. You know, why mm. would I bring a kid into this world that they're only going to suffer and the world's going to get worse for them and, you know, all this thousand of the bad things that are you know, going to happen. And it's, it's a risk indeed to take it, to bring a kid into this place. What if this kid has a disability? What if this kid suffers? What if this kid turns their back on you? How would you respond to that? Uh, I've heard that too. That was another one that shocked me. Um, but the, uh, what I would say is you get the opportunity to create a human soul that will exist for all eternity, right? Someone that you will be with forever. So this life is temporary and short and it may continue to get worse and worse and worse. It may be horrible. It may be rough, but we know that there's another life coming. So wouldn't you want that person there for all of eternity? Amen. Amen. Yeah, I mean, also, the only thing that's going to change the world is more life. I mean, ultimately, it's a culture of death, and, and life is the only antidote. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's just, it's whenever I hear that, it's the most, I find it to be almost disgusting. Maybe it's just this, I don't know why, I don't have a good reason why, it's just, it makes me very upset. Yeah. Because this life is just so incredible. It's just so incredible. That's true. There's so many gifts about this yeah. life too. It's like yeah, all it's looking so at good. it very pessimistically. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Restless. I don't really have a challenge for you. I haven't thought of one. <laughs> Live your life. Have some kids Live if you're life. married. Have kids if you're, if you're married. Yeah. Take get care married. of kids if first. you don't. Do it in hold the right up, order, up. please. <laughs> if not, you know, seek to be the mentor because there are kids Spend out time there with kids. who need to, um, to need to just see adults who really care about their lives. You can join us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time.